All right, everybody, welcome to episode 37 of Tunes Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today we are counting down our top five favorite instrumentals of all time. Yeah, our, our instrumentals, though, we made a couple of uh, rules here. Okay, let's go into it. So the rule is they have to have hit the Hot 100. They had to be like hit singles, and they have to have done so during the rock era, so since 1955, because otherwise... If I tried to make a list of favorite instrumentals, I would take three years and I probably still wouldn't have it ready. And there, you know, I listen to all kinds of instrumental music and like music scores and all kinds of stuff. We need, I needed some boundaries. That's what I did. I started looking up every single favorite instrumental song. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to back this down. So I'm glad we were able to back our list down. And it was really hard. I mean, I have a long list of songs that hit the Hot 100 that are instrumentals, but to try to whittle it down to five was really, really hard. But I'm really interested to see what's on your list. And before we jump into the top five, what were just a couple that were were rumbling down there below five? Yes, a few that kind of almost made, I mean, Booker T and the MGs is a classic, Green Onions, you know, that it's a classic, you know, there's a number of them by Kenny G, but his first big one, Songbird, was worth thinking about. Uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I whistle that thing all the time, you know, I'll walk around and say that. One of the ones, the, the idea of this struck, I was in the car one time and heard Axel F from Harold Faltermeyer. And that's the, the the impetus. And then it didn't even make my top five. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one that got me and we were talking about it before we jumped on was the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire. Yep. That one gets played still pretty frequently. Yeah, that's another one. Just missed my top five. I and I, it's a really, really nice tune. It has a really nice feel to it. Yeah, a couple in there that I had. So it's really, really hard to to put these ones where they're located. But I had Axel F as well. That was one of the first tunes that I really wanted to become a keyboard player, and I tried for the life of me to try to figure it out. <laughs> Finally, did years later. But that was uh, that was a hard one. And then in the mood by Glenn Miller. I mean, mm-hmm. it's right around there. I know there's a couple of remixes that got released over the years, but that song, once you hear it, you just always remember it. And then another song that we talked about a long time ago, actually, I think a couple of times, was Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Just you hear that and all of a sudden you are in another place. All right, so well, let's start. What do you have, Ray, at number five for your best instrumental of all time? So my number five actually connects back to our top samples podcast, because one of my top samples was Hypnotize, a notorious B.I.G. The tune that he got that from was Rise by Herb Alpert, number one hit in the late 70s and uh, just a, you know, a great piece of music. Yeah, I mean, we could talk at length with that song. And actually, that song is just cut off. I mean, it's literally at number six for me. And I don't know because we've used it so many times in our discussions <laughs> it's starting to lose some of its lackluster for me but it is a classic and i mean we talked about this at, at nauseum in the past yeah what? yeah well and i think that in some ways that actually had the opposite effect on me it i keep hearing it enough that probably five years ago it's not in my top five and now it's really grown on me to the point so it had the opposite effect we're always like that on these countouts <laughs> We did. Yeah, that's right. That, you know, you had uh, the Sugar Hill Gang at number one for the samples. And I was like, exactly. you know, oh, I, I couldn't argue with it. But I'm like, yeah, but, it, you know, uh, uh, you know, this other stuff just kind of felt different. And then, I, I know. you know, the way the song is, I didn't think the sample was crucial to the song. And yeah, 
funny. You're right. I did my five. What's your five? So my five. This was hard. Talk from the onset. But being a DJ, this song, when it came out, I overplayed this song. And then also there was a phenomenon, you remember. This is Harlem Shake, Bauer. Oh, yeah. And you remember there were videos that you would stand still for a minute and then you'd yep. go crazy. I still play it. And people still do the same thing. They, they sit there still. <laughs> and when it starts going, they, they go crazy. And it's just one of those songs where it's rare that there's an electronic-based instrumental that charted high that when you play it, people know it. And there aren't a lot of those songs out there. Well, no. In fact, you know, Harlem Shake was the first song in almost 30 years, in 28 years, the first instrumental. I said song. I keep making that mistake. So I learned this back in college 30 years ago, that technically the word song means that it has lyrics. But, you know, so we commonly say, you know, oh, that song for an instrumental, but technically an instrumental. But it's hard because then what word do you use? Piece, tune, you know, stuff like that. So you can use tune. Tune is fine. Piece is fine. But technically, and, you know, I'm, I make the mistake all the time. I, I'm constantly catching myself. You'll notice when I do music to help us get through everything together, whenever I use an instrumental one, if you notice my wording, I will always use the word tune or I'll just say instead of today's song to help us get through everything, I'll just say today's music to help us get through everything. So yes, yeah, so a song, but there I am use, using the word again. Um, yeah. Song technically has, so none of these are technically songs. Crazy to think that way, but Harlem Shake was the first instrumental to hit number one in 28 years. Wow. I think that was a record for the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The one before it had been the Miami Vice theme. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it went 28 years. It just the the way things were. I mean, there you know, there were a few instrumental hits in there, but nothing was quite the phenomenon. And that just goes to show, I think, uh what a phenomenon Harlem Shake was back in 2013. Yeah, and it it was one of those viral you know, yep. things that kind of spread. You, what do you got it for, Ray? So, number 4 is actually the newest of all of my songs and it's only 25 years old. <laughs> But I loved Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen's version of the theme from Mission Impossible from the mid-90s. I used to crank that in my car like 25 years ago. And I, you know, probably part of it stems from, you know, I'm a big U2 fan. I don't even think I've ever watched any of the Mission Impossible movies, but I love that theme. No, it's definitely put together. Very, I mean, what a, the rhythm mm -hmm. of U2 put this out, which is perfect. And it really mm -hmm. captures that. and. But to me, this is a pretty rhythmic track. These two really shine on it. And it must have been riding off of U2's popularity at the time as well. Yeah, and it was right around the same time they had had their hit, Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me from Batman. And, and then the movies did well. And I just, I think the, the sound of it, I think it just had a really good sound to it. Oh. it. It took a classic theme and really updated it in a way that, that made it kind of, you know, really... I don't want to say it rocked out because it didn't quite do that, but it really just grabbed you. So what do you got at number four? Number four is Cherries of Fire by Vangelis. Oh, yeah. And this song, I don't know what it is. When I hear it, I'm inspired for some reason. I also think of the National Lampoon's vacation scene <laughs> when they're chasing each other, running to Wally World. So there's, there's always a, it puts a smile on my face when I hear this song. And, you know, Vangelis, he had so many other songs that captured the moment. But for some yep. reason, this song, it just seems to stand the test of time. Yeah, it really, I really think it does. Vangelis is, is 
There's a lot of stuff of his I like. Actually, one of my favorite things of his was the Cosmos theme from 40 years ago. Carl Sagan's Cosmos. I love that. I mm-hmm. That's another thing I used to crank in my car all the time in the mid-90s. Chariots of Fire. Uh, he also had uh, one... He had some stuff from Blade Runner that was really good. And Chariots of Fire is one. You're, I think you're exactly right. In fact, it's funny. Just this past week, um, I was on YouTube with my son, and I saw a video for Mr. Bean at the London Olympics. And I put it on to show my son who Mr. Bean was. And it was a video of, the. I think it was the London Symphony Orchestra, I think, playing Chariots of Fire at the London for the London Olympic ceremony. And Mr. Bean doing a comic act to go with it and they even show footage the the classic footage of the guys running on the beach and they they put in mr bean's head over the one guy you know and they you know and they they played around with it, it and it was just it just goes to show that i mean there was that song you know 30 years later or so still in the popular consciousness yeah oh that's anytime you mention mr bean i just i laugh i i just i can't think of anything else other than all the crazy things that he does so well, and it's funny because he's sitting there and he's he's got one note that he has to play over and over and over again, and he's making fun of the the the, the idea that you know he's he's just going to play this note over and over and over again, and yeah, yeah. So part one party starts daydreaming because he can, you know. Yep. Yeah. So that's your number four. What's your number three? Number three for me, Sleepwalk, mm. Santo and Johnny. Now there's just something with this song. I don't know why it's it's kind of got like a kind of creepy overtone to it it's been redone by so many people but there's just nothing has replaced the original you know i've i've heard a version by joe satriani i've heard you know other versions that have been done and there's just something about the song you know it's it's a short instrumental but for some reason to me it captures the 50s and in that era yep i was gonna say i think i think you're right to say that it really sort of captures uh, the feel of that era in a way that, I mean, there are other songs that do, but, but it, it really kind of captures it. Yeah. And what about you? Number three. So number three for me is, and it's funny because I almost didn't include this because there are, there is like a vocal part to it, but it's considered an instrumental because the vocal part is considered like an instrument instead of lyrics. Uh, Gonna Fly Now, arranged and conducted by Bill Conti for Rocky. So, you know, there's the part in there where the, there's the chorus singing, gonna fly now, right? And and so, you know, to me, that kind of cheats a little bit because it does have some words, but it's considered instrumental because, again, the, the chorus is acting as an instrument rather than as having lyrics for, the, for a song. So, but it, it's one that's inspirational, right? You know, you think of Rocky, you think of running up the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum and training and, and just, you know, how it gets over, used over and over and over again as this sort of a song of inspiration and, and montages of training. And it just fe- makes you feel good. Totally agree. And hint, hint, <laughs> sneak peek. I'll be mentioning this again soon. Yep. So that, that, yes, that's my number three. And, uh, and I, I really, it was funny. I, when I started making the list, I thought it was going to be number one and, um, it ended up number three. Mm-hmm. So what's your, we've got your number three. So what's your number two? Yeah. You mentioned it earlier and there's just something about the song. And for me, this is maybe I'm, I'm doing a, a parade <laughs> through time here, Ray. I feel like I am because this next one is to me captures the mm-hmm. essence of the sixties. And there's just something about the song. I read recently a background on the song and it was a rather mm-hmm. simple melody and it just 
kind of came together. Mm-hmm. It's Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. And little be known, you know, Booker T and the MGs, they were yep. session musicians and they, you know, a lot of the songs from the 60s they played on. And I hear this song and it just it makes me think about all those great songs that came out of that era. And then also it's a catchy tune and you hear it and it's one of those other songs that just makes you happy. Yeah. And it does. It has such a great feel to it. And that's another one, you know, I said it came close to, it was sort of in my runner's up list. And it was one that when I started making my list, I'm like, okay, that's going to be top five. Yeah, sure. And then it got bumped and it, you know, I, I'm still kind of amazed that it did. It just shows the other stuff that I, I saw out there. But you know, the interesting thing about green onions is that it also is a, was a way for bands to kill time. So, you know, if you're playing in a band, you start up a, a chorus of green onions and you just keep going with it. And so, you know, you got, you got 20 minutes of fill that you need because either your set's a little short and, you know, you got to play for three hours and you only got, you know, two hours and 40 minutes worth or something, or somebody needs a bathroom break or, you know, whatever, right? You got any number of reasons why you might need to do fill, start into green onions and you got your fill. You can play with that for 10, 15, 20 minutes and you, you got it. Yeah, no, that's that's funny. It reminds me of that scene from the Blues Brothers when they keep playing Sweet yep. Home Chicago. Keep it going, guys, while we make an escape. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, uh, put on the green onions, you know. We're making a green escape. Going. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned mine earlier. Uh, Evangelist makes it to number two on my chart, Chariots of Fire. Again, the, the feel of it that you mentioned, how inspirational it is. You know, like I said, I thought Gonna Fly Now might make it number one. And this one was just so, it kind of ekes itself a little bit ahead of that one to hit the number two slot in terms of how inspirational it is. The feel of that thing, I, I really like a lot of stuff from Vangelis. And so it's the number two for me. Yeah. No, this we talked about it. It's just one of those songs that it just gets to you. Yeah, you feel it. You really feel it. Yeah, yep. you do. All right. So we've covered from five to two. Number ones. Who's going to go first? I'll go first because you already said it. So I've got yeah. Gonna Fly Now, Bill Conti. And, hey, maybe my number one is a cheater because it has some lyrics in it. But I got to tell you what, just as you said earlier, you put this song on. There's just something about it yep. that gets you pumped up. You want to run up a flight of stairs. You want to you go pull a truck with your teeth with some chains or something. I don't know what it is, but this song just there's something yep. just happens. This song just, I put this on the constant rotation, and there is a, a swelling point to the song that just, it rises, and and then it just, it brings you back down, but you still want to just, like, change the world when you hear this song. So, to me, that's, that's why it's number one. Well, and, you know, it fits with your countdown in the sense that, so you've got, you got Sleepwalk to be, to capture the 50s, and you got Green Onions to capture the seven, the six. I mean, Gonna Fly Now, the feel of that song captures the 70s. And so, right. you know, in Rocky, the movie, you know, right from 76, they're right from the middle of the 70s, you know, and it's Bill Conti who did all kinds of, of movie scores. And so he's got it, you know, he's got all these pieces of music out there that people may not even know are him that, oh, that's Bill Conti. Oh, that's, you know, and he, he even did like the, the Academy Awards band for years and everything. So there's a lot of classic pieces. There's a lot of, a lot of elements to that song that really come together to make it a good number one song. Yeah. And if, if we were to stretch it out past five, I could have yeah, done all the yeah, decades. Yeah. <laughs> Just out on the 90s and the, uh, I guess, the millennium. There you, there you go. Nice. All right, what about you? What do you, what do you got at so one? Well, my one is kind of a, a bit of a change of pace. It's not 
it doesn't check off a lot of the other boxes we've talked about. It does. It's not inspirational in the way that Gonna Fly Now, Chariots of Fire, Rise, that kind of stuff are. It is a, a theme from like a you know a film TV show like we've talked about with a number of other things. Mm-hmm. It's it's somebody who's known for a number of uh, instrumental hits, stuff like the theme from Magnum and other songs like other mm-hmm. things like that. It's the theme from Hill Street Blues. It hit number 10 back when Hill Street Blues became the phenomenon, you know, for a number of years there in the mid uh, early to mid 80s to late 80s. Hill Street Blues was one of the biggest phenomenons in television culture and, and American television. Mm-hmm. And when I started really picking up playing keyboard and piano in like 88, 89, one of the first things I figured out was that dun, 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 right? That little sort of three chord uh, riff that goes there. Uh, three chord pattern that that's the classic part of that piece and it sticks with me today a lot of times i'll just go to a piano and i'll just do that and i think there's a part of me that always likes this sort of melancholy music like that has kind of a forlorn kind of you know happy yet sad kind of feel to it i love the blue nile and stuff like that and that's what this piece has it has that that sort of a sweetness yet a bitterness at the same time and, and which is it was emblematic of the show too and and so i honestly when i was putting this list together i i didn't think it was going to be number one and i i thought you know like i said at one point i thought gonna fly now okay that's gonna and then chariots of fire was kind of a little bit about it i'm like okay so what do i do with hill street blues what number four number three and i'm like no i really do like that the best well interesting thing you know I guess I always tie it back to Van Halen, but on Van Halen three, Mike Post actually helped produced Van Halen three, which was the Gary Sharon album. Uh, and he actually plays piano on the first track on the album, which is called New World, which is mm-hmm. supposed to be you know, it's Van Halen three, but it's an instrumental song. And it was so hard not to put any Van Halen on here, but it, obviously because of our rules, it didn't chart. Yep. But I was always impressed by Mike Post. I actually have a, solo cd of his where he put all his greatest hits theme songs on it wow and i always had that in rotation and when i saw that in your list i was like that's right (laughs) (laughs) actually what made me blow up my entire list and start over and because i actually originally thought it was going to be axel f as my number one song and it's not even in the top five so yeah that's i think that's a good choice with mike post It, it did surprise me and i went back and i listened to it and it is one of those songs where I think you heard that song from that show and it actually made you want to watch the show. There's there's a lot of songs that do that where the song yep. helps carry the show a little bit. Yeah. Even when they're lackluster episodes because they, they sprinkle it in throughout the show as well. Yeah. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that because I'm one of the people, I, I hate how when I'm watching on Netflix, they'll skip the intro. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. Part of my television watching experiences i want to watch the intro like when i was uh watching gilmore girls a few years ago i mean i wanted to hear uh if you you know leave, when you leave i will follow and you know i wanted to hear the carol king at the beginning every episode when i'm watching uh mash i've right now been watching mash and, and i started at the beginning and i'm trying to get through all 11 uh years and i want to watch the intro and the outro that's part of because I grew up with that, right? And I think you're right that you hear these songs and it makes you think of the show or the movie in, in case like movies, but with shows like this. And I think you're right that that idea that even if the, the episode is lackluster, you had that experience with the intro or even if the show, maybe you watched it at one point and in retrospect, you're not as into the show, but 
you have like a theme or the song that begins it. I, I, the one that comes to my mind is you remember the, the old show, perfect strangers from the late eighties, early nineties, oh, yeah. right. Great. With Balky yeah. and, you know, and cousin Larry. Right. I mean, I used to watch that all the time. I, my favorite show back then was head of the class, which also has a great instrumental uh, opening to it. I used to watch head of the class and perfect strangers on ABC back in the late eighties. And it's partly because I loved Head of the Class, and then I just keep, you know, I'd watch Perfect Strangers too. And both of them, they, you know, the, the intro music to Head of the Class is great. But that song for Perfect Strangers is, you talk about inspirational. Sometimes I put that on just to, to get up and feel good. I, I used it, you know, last spring as a music to help us get through everything together. And so you're, I, I think you're right to point to that, that when I hear this song, it's not only the feel of the song, but it does. It makes, I mean, I was never a big Hill Street Blues watcher. I was a little young for the audience that that was geared to her when it, when it was out in the mid eighties. But, you know, I watched enough of it. And I remember the the one with Sargent or whoever that would always, you know, do roll call at the be- the beginning of the episode or whatever they do roll call. And he'd always be like, he'd always say, and guys be careful out there. And that was his like signature line that was used to promote that character and the show. And that fits right with the song. And it hadn't even dawned on me till you were talking just how much that fits with the song. Be careful out there. That's exactly the feel of this song. This you're doing good stuff. You know, you're, you're doing good work, but you're also, you know, it's sometimes not good and it's sometimes dangerous and it's, you know, and that's that forlorn kind of happy yet sad feeling of this song or this piece of music. There I went again, song, this piece of music. <laughs> This instrumental. But no, I mean, you think you're right. There's a lot of songs that were on the list that didn't make it. I mean, we talked about Miami Vice theme. Uh, one I had in here that I was funny that I, I I know it didn't shark, but it made me laugh. I always used to like the theme to Elf. Oh, it, just, yeah. it made no sense at all. It was like this jazzy instrumental thing. And you know, you're like, okay. But you would hear it and you're like, hey, it's Elf time. But I think it's interesting how certain songs, when we look at our lists, they have continued through the test of time. Some of them had sampled. Some of them have been covered by others, yep. but they do capture that time period. And I think from looking at both of ours, there were some, once again, there's some similarities, but I think there were some differences there. And you know, hopefully as you were listening, you thought of some songs as well that, sorry, instrumentals, <laughs> music that you have thought about that maybe didn't we didn't mention. I mean, there were some on here that I had, you know, we talked about Love's Theme by oh, yeah. Love and Leonard. I mean, there's Barry White. Yep. I mean, that was, that was a huge song. There's just, there's so many songs that aren't going to be on here because they have lyric, but there's instrumentals. Right. I'm catching myself saying yeah. that too. It's easy to do, right? Yeah. That's, I think that speaks to something is that, you know, I, we talked about that, uh, Harlem Shake, you know, was the first song, the first thing in almost 30 years, the first instrument right. in almost 30 years. That, and it, I think that part of it is, especially in the evolution of music, that, that music has, pop music has become about mm-hmm. the idea of a song. And to a right. certain extent, instrumentals don't fit that because lyrics are part of the mm-hmm. feel of it and part of the formula. And as it's become more formularized over the years it's made it that much harder and it took the the phenomenon on social media and everything else of harlem shake to make that go to number one and you know i i think it's going to take something like that again for that to do so yet at the same time we have instrumental music with us all the time you watch a movie you watch television you watch any of this stuff you've got instrumental music you know you you know, there are all kinds of situations that we have instrumental music and, you know, try watching a film without the score 
And it really changes the experience. And it tells us just how important instrumental mm-hmm. music is and just how much it builds our emotions and helps trigger our emotions. And that's what this is all about. And I mean, that's right. That's what Toonsmate's all about. The joy of music, the, the feeling we get with music, what music means to us and what it does for us. And, and to me, that's what, you know, this countdown was all about too. Yeah. Well, I hope there are some things in there that, as we said, stuck out to you that you thought, hmm, maybe I got to go back and revisit that. And we will be posting our lists as well. And we'll throw some of our runners up on the list so you can check it out. But, you know, like Ray said, we're constantly trying to put some music out there for you to think about. We've got the 25 years ago. We've got death going back, looking at the 80s music to help us get through everything together and we've got you know mash of the week is out there we're always trying to remember those that have passed so it's unfortunate but we do have a a very large in morium section where we highlight those we've lost so once again we appreciate you listening and supporting the podcast make sure to subscribe make sure to follow and do all those things that are out there on social media. We are excited to continue to bring you countdowns like this. Maybe you'll meet a new music artist. We're always trying to keep things fresh so that you can continually discover new things and merge them into your playlists. So without further ado, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we'll see you next time.